Sherman, and hello to each of you. My name is Paul Moore, and we are Great Relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Herman, the last time we were talking, you had given me three steps so that as a control person, I might put freedom back into my life. Yeah, we talked about that, uh, and unfortunately, too many control people, and I'm the poster child, I'll certainly say say that, the poster child for uh, being a control person. So many people just think, well, it's just, I've just got to work real hard to just remove myself from being a control person. Well, actually, there are some steps that you can follow. And the first step was slow down, remember God allows freedom. That's a critical thing for us to consider. We don't consider that God is a person allowing freedom because too many people have this mindset that God is a policeman in the sky, controlling even more so. I wanted to remember what the three steps were, so I need some help breaking the ice because maybe other people, and not just me, are having that problem. Could you pray for us? Oh, sure. You bet. Lord, thank you so much that you have given us the model on how we are to be doing relationships. You are the one that we need to emulate. You are the one we need to imitate. And more importantly, you're the one that we need to have live through us to do relationships your way because we will not imitate you well without your life and energy in us doing what you ask us to do. Pray for this time, Lord. Give us great insight in how to put freedom into our life even more so. In your precious name, amen. Listen up, team. We're about to make some much-needed changes to extreme control racing. We're going to start right at the top with a new name, Freedom Racing. Well, what else are we changing? I'm glad you asked. We're going to slow down. What in tarnation? Slow down? What kind of racing team slows down? I don't mean on the track. I mean in our relationships. Slow down to focus on now. Remember that time when I got upset because I didn't think you'd have the car ready in time for the race? When the reality was that you had the car in tip-top shape in plenty of time. I sure enough do. From now on, God's in control. No more imaginary fears. I want to start focusing on now. Where is our race next weekend? We don't have one next weekend. It's Billy Bob's wedding. What can I do to help? He sure could use some help working that word NASCAR into his wedding vows. I think I'm busy that weekend. Before the prayer and the drama, I need these three steps to help me get in touch with how to find this freedom. Why is it I'm to be controlled in his image but yet I don't have a problem with the man in the mirror. We have it so many different ways, and it turns into this judgmental attitude that we have. So just referring back to the first step, slow down, remember God allows freedom. The second step, is my fear real or imaginary? Make certain that we ask that question. That's one of the most powerful questions you can ask as a control person because we're constantly looking at the current situation and thinking that it's going to go on into tomorrow. We don't really know that. And that's the reason why most of our fears are imaginary. They're imaginary because we think it's going to happen. And anytime it's in the future, it's an imaginary fear. And that goes to that little acrostic or that little acronym, you know, F-E-A-R, fear. You know, future events appearing real. That's how we tend to go as control people. We are thinking about the future and thinking it's going to be happening. Okay, well, I must be really sick because in my case, I've got it even worse. It's false expectations appearing real. I just really put stuff on people. Yeah, it's all the same stuff. That's exactly right. So you fear what might happen. That drives you to control. So the first step, again, is slow down. Remember, God allows freedom. 
Two, ask, is my fear real or imaginary? And then three, focus on now. Let's take some time to stop thinking about all the future and start thinking about now. And I'm not saying that you've got to always be only thinking about the present. But if you think about the reality of what's happening now, it doesn't necessarily mean the pattern of events that are happening now are going to transfer into the future. It, it, it doesn't always happen that way. But you told me something that's really huge, and I see it from time to time, that if I can do these, if I can do these three steps, it puts energy back into my life. Absolutely. That is what has happened with me dramatically. The profound change that can happen in your life from moving yourself from the idea of conceptual danger to true risk assessment. Oh, okay, that's really important. Go back to the standard story that I tell about me and my uh, son cleaning his room. Remember, you know, if he doesn't clean his room, he's going to die lonely and sad. That, you know, <laughs> that, that future event way out there, just because he's not cleaning his room. Come on, Herman. And notice how much energy that would take out of your life to be constantly thinking, oh my goodness, Lord, he's got to clean his room. Otherwise, he's going to die lonely and sad. That isn't in my brain. But that is what is driving my actions. He's got to change. So lots of energy comes back into your life when okay, you stop so, being this way. And what were you calling that again? The two things, something in risk assessment? You, you move from conceptual danger to true risk assessment. Okay, so I'm just going to put that in English. How do I get a kinder, gentler Herman <laughs> well, or me? Using, or... That, using that same story, the conceptual danger with Taylor was this future event that he was going to die lonely and sad, or at least just become an, a, a very irresponsible person. Whereas the true risk assessment is his room's not clean. Let's just get his room cleaned. <laughs> There's the difference. And when a control person just focuses on, well, this is the event that needs to be done, dealt with, rather than something that's going to happen because this event is not dealt with, then you can be more like, well, son, you know, I'm sorry that you're not getting your room cleaned. You know, we, we've got to have that cleaned. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to experience, uh, you know, going to the show tonight or something like that. Okay, sorry. but that's short term in dealing with Taylor, for example, or whomever. Which, by the way, he turned out to be a really great guy. So. He's a phenomenal young man. That's right. So, okay, on the short term, you can say, look, you can clean your room or you're going to miss going to the show or something. That, that's reality. That's now. Mm -hmm. But your self-talk was taking it somewhere else. If he doesn't clean his room, then this is going to happen. You were setting up all these blocks that eventually would lead him to die lonely and sad. Right. I would, uh, I would say the issue was when a control person understands that freedom is much more important, they end up becoming less judgmental about everybody else. I think God's word, and obviously it's always that way, God's word is the word that drives all this behavior, judgmentalism. And that means justice without mercy, the way that I define it. If I'm being judgmental, I am therefore removing the freedom for everybody else around me. So how do I know that I've gotten there? I mean, it's, it's funny because life happens. We take an isolated instance. But life is happening, and this is just one thing, and you want me to suddenly recognize that I need to slow down and realize that God grants freedom. Here, here's, here's the uh, very cool thing that can happen to people. Two things that I notice about my life now that I could not have said earlier, two very simple physical things that happen with me. I actually smile more and 
not only do I smile more, I am much more thankful for the people around me rather than judging them. Two simple little things have made a profound difference in my life now that I just live in reality. I'm not trying to change the future for anybody. I'm offering things to them, but it's it's a lot easier to smile about the things that I'm going, golly, if that doesn't get changed, but I don't have that thought anymore. Okay, I, I missed something. I took that as results by having changed something. You're actually saying these two things create results. I'm, no, I'm saying they are the results, but yes, it flows together. The more that I smile about it, the more I can start remembering, oh, God's in control. I'm not. Uh, I don't need to have that future fear. Uh, I can focus on now. I can be thankful for what's happening right now. It's both ways. It's something that I can focus on that helps me not be controlling, and it's a result at the same time. Thank you, Herman, and I'm smiling, and I'm very thankful. We are thankful for your support, your prayers for this ministry, and your faithful support. And please recommend us to your friends. You can find us and like us on Facebook at Great Relationships. Visit the website, grnumeratelationships.com, or give us a yell at 1-800-819-4293, 800-819-4293. We'll be back right after this. Great quotes for great relationships. Ezekiel 33, 31. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people, and they hear your words, but they do not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own gain. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. You don't have to sing the blues about today's issues. Learn to think biblically with Worldview Academy's Bill Jack with simple tools for brain surgery. During Worldview Academy summer camps, we train students to share their faith by using a survey based on the Ten Commandments. It starts like this. How many of the Ten Commandments can you name? Most people quickly name all the don'ts, such as don't steal, lie, murder, However, people nearly always miss the first commandment. That's right, one God. If they miss that one, then all the other rules fall by the wayside anyway, right? One of the habits people develop in suppressing the truth of God is denying that God is. They do not honor God as God. Is your view of Christianity merely a religion of don'ts, or do you honor God in everything you do? Another simple tool for brain surgery. To add more tools to your kit, call 1-800-2411-123. Great relationships pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. We hope that you'll check out our website, greatrelationships.com. That's grnumeratelationships.com. But even better still... How about send a link to a friend of yours so they can listen to the podcast and catch any of the previous programs? Before the break, we were talking about three things I could start doing to put freedom into my life. So my question is, we were talking about control and we were talking about freedom. Is this a chicken or an egg thing? Which one comes first? I I love that thought. No, it's not a chicken and egg thing. It it, It is a sequence type of thing, the way I look at it. I really do believe, looking at my own life and looking at the experience of other people, that understanding control first, how controlling we are, is the difficult part. Most of us 
have this mindset that, you know, I'm really not that controlling. I, we go back to the concept of I'm just a good person and people just can't realize how I'm trying to help them. Is this back to good people up to no good? Good people up to no good. That's exactly right. We miss the fact that we in our control are actually hurting the people around us, which means if I can understand how controlling I am, then I can start understanding how freedom really works. That's the way it worked in my life. Because when you are a control person, you are absolutely misrepresenting how freedom works. Go back to the previous program and understand that a control person, what they're doing is they value freedom for themselves, but they don't value it for other people. And therefore, understanding how controlling it literally hurts relationships rather than helps them is the mindset that any control person needs to have just drilled into their brain. Okay, well, I've got a difficulty here in two places. The first is society tends to value being in control, mm-hmm. right? So the message I get from the media all the time is, is it empowers me. Mm-hmm. So it's like you said, my vision of control for me is good. I don't mm-hmm. value it for others. Yeah. The other is, how do I know when I'm out on this limb? Well, it's uh, let me. Only, it's not like I go it, for a walk in the evening and say, "Am I a control freak? Do I need to slow down? And am I trusting God?" Let me deal with the first one. The first one is all about this idea of people being controlling. Now, now, why is it that people want to control in the first place? It's because of fear. And then, if we take it up one notch. We go right back to the problem for all relationships. Why are we controlling in the first place? Because life is all about me. We are wanting to remove the fear from our life, and therefore we make life about ourselves. and we have this mindset that we think it's somehow dealing with getting something good for them. It's not. It's something all is pointing back at me. I want to control so that I can have my life better. I can breathe again that my son is finally cleaning his room and he's not going <laughs> to die lonely and sad. <laughs> okay, so there we go. We're slowing down and remember that God also grants freedom, right? And, and am I living in now or am I dealing with some kind of future expectation or false reality? Okay, that's fine. There you go. There are three steps, and if I do these, then I get, I don't know what you said, but I knew it as a kinder, softer, gentler Herman. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I really believe that there's, there's, there's more smiling, you know, <laughs> there's more energy for life. There is a tremendous amount of energy for my life because I don't have to spend so much time trying to figure out how to get people to do life my way. I simply am able to go before the Lord and go, Lord, am I doing life the way you want me to be doing it? As opposed to, I've got to get Paul to get changed. I've got to get him to change his heart and his life in order for him to not experience all this danger that I see for him. I know, but you don't want to stand in that line. It's very long. (laughs) It's very long. Same same for me. (laughs) You'll run into a lot of people we know, though. Um, The other thing I was going to say. So if I get past this whole chicken and the egg, control and freedom thing, okay? Mm -hmm. That's more about self-check. Are there any actual barriers to freedom? Wow. I think there are two common, common barriers that show up. Let's talk about the first one, obligation. Now, how, why, why in the world might obligation be a barrier to freedom? Obligation is actually a good word 
in many regards, but I am going to be primarily using it as a word that is not good. For instance, if you made a promise to yourself to lose weight and you ended up not doing it in the time frame that you wanted, what might you be feeling? Uh, Relief, because that's a promise I frequently renew. (laughs) (laughs) Most people, when they start seeing that they haven't done it, they start beating themselves up. They get out the cat of nine tails and start flogging themselves. Let's take it further to something as simple as this, your marriage vows. Do you have to stay married or do you want to stay married? Big difference in words there, right? Let's let's assume that I looked at my marriage with uh, my lovely wife, Louie, and started having this thought, boy, I just don't really feel great about her behavior, and I've just got to stay married to her, though. Do you notice the energy difference from that statement to, you know, Louie's not changing, but you know what? I'm going to honor the vows that I've I've had because I want to stay married. I want to have this marriage work. Okay, but you tell us, you know, and it's it's there. We are to pursue another's best, patiently, kindly, sacrificially, and unconditionally. Well, I'm going to say that none of those things, uh, none of those issues of sacrificial, unconditional, any of those patient kind, none of those things are going to happen if I don't understand how obligation is going to drive me in the other direction. Obligation turns the focus back on me. Notice this. What if I'm a housewife and my job is to come cook dinner every night? Right. I can end up taking the freedom out of this. You can take the freedom out of any goal, any promise you make, any great commitment you make when you start focusing on the, I have to do it. No, the issue is if you stay in the concept of, no, I I, want to do that. Do I have to obey God? No, God specifically has given me the opportunity to choose to sin. I don't have to obey God. That sounds like blasphemy, doesn't it? It sounds like total blasphemy. I don't have to love others. I don't even have to have great relationships. None of that is a have to. All of that is I either want to or I don't. Okay, well, I get the gets to and gots to. Mm -hmm. We were talking about freedom. Right. And we were talking about control. And that's really how I understand it. And then I said, are the real barriers? And you said, yes, the first one. And we're still on the first one obligation. But I really believe that I'm supposed to love somebody unconditionally. And if I'm married and I love them unconditionally, then divorce is an option. It's just not the best option. We've talked about that. If if I'm a wife and a mother, I've got to make dinner. No, you don't got to see that's that's what drives obligation. You're not living in reality. For instance, using that very statement, do you got to make dinner? No, you have a choice. You can decide not to. You can decide not to. Yes, there may be consequences that may make make you uh, be treated differently by the family, those type of things. But there's always reality that I don't got to. Okay, you got to help me get into the gets to, not gots to. Well, yeah, I, it's, not a, it's not a matter of gets to versus gots to. I do like the statement, but the issue is I either want to do it or I don't. If I don't, I, it's going to drive some form of obligation. I don't have to obey God. Let's go back there. 
I either choose to obey God because I want to, but I don't have to. And when you think have to, when you think should, ought, or must, I think those are three good words to be considering. Whenever I think should, ought, or must, that drives us into the form of obligation, which means you're going to lose energy and you therefore have driven your freedom into into the ditch. You no longer have the freedom to not do that. Whenever you have the freedom to do it or not do it, then you're in a better place. So the issue for us is choice. Reality is an option. Excuse me. Reality drives you to understand you have a choice. You aren't obligated to do anything. The, that's, that's maybe too broad of a statement, but there, is, there truly is this idea of obligation drives us back into control. Thank you, Herman. And we'll be talking more about how obligation blocks freedom takes energies out of life great relationships that's grnumeratelationships.com is the website like me you're probably going to want to listen to this again we'll be back right after this great thoughts for great relationships if you have to have it your way you probably are ignoring freedom, grace, love, and to a large extent, the other person. Great relationships, pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. Relationships can be great, and not just marriages or romantic relationships, all relationships. The Bible offers the same solution to what is essentially the same problem. What is the problem and what is the solution? Study along with us to find out. Great Relationships is a video course offering biblically-based insight on relationships. In each video, watch Herman tame tough issues by discussing them in a casual online learning environment. Each of Great Relationships' 12 chapters are subdivided into quick segments you can squeeze into a coffee break. So if you've had time to listen to this promotion, you have the time to sign up and start today. Visit our website at greatrelationships.com. That's G-R-numeral-8-relationships.com to sign up for our free newsletter. Pursuing the best in work, in life, in love. Right thinking, right relationships, right now. back. Bless God, I have the ability to go to our website, Great Relationships, that's grnumeral8.com, and listen to this program. I mean, I'm here, we're having this conversation, and what I'm realizing is, I grew up with a bad understanding. I thought control was my friend, Mm. and I'm starting to learn that control is my enemy. And, you know, we spent most of the program just determining which came first, the chicken or the egg, control or freedom. Mm -hmm. And once I've got that and how that plays, and I want to look at it, and I've said, hey, you know, are there any barriers? And you said, yes, there too. And our time is almost gone, and I'm still trying to wrap around this thing of obligation. Yeah, obligation is a critical issue that drives us into control and away from freedom. And I love your statement there, the statement that we do believe that control is our friend. It's actually our enemy. Remember the statement that we've stated, control, and then put in parentheses, manipulation or domination? Right. 
control, when control, manipulation, or domination is in a relationship, at some point that relationship becomes intolerable. That's what happens when we don't understand how control is driving our life and our, and we're trying to control to remove fear. We're trying to control and it causes our me to flash. That's how this all works. So obligation is one of those key barriers that shows up in our life and it shows up this way. As I stated, do I have to stay married to Louie or do I want to stay married to her? The issue for all of us is we have developed into thinking that we have to do things. And yes, I do agree. There are some have tos. And I'll tell you how to deal with that more than likely in a future program. But the issue is obligation drives you to think in non-reality or in a surreality, if you want to say it that way. Obligation drives you to think that you don't have a choice. You do have a choice. You can decide to not do something, even if you feel like it's an obligation. For instance, I go back to my statement. Do I have to stay married? No, I do not. I can make a choice to leave my lovely bride. I can decide to do that. Do I want to do that? No, I don't. Let's get into reality. It's the want to. It's not the have to in that particular situation. But I've also heard you talk to me about statistics at arranged marriages as opposed to just people falling in love and that the arranged marriages actually have a higher rate of success. They're actually more successful because from the very beginning, they have made a choice. Made a choice. They didn't live in, and they may have started into it with an obligation mindset, but then they understood the reality. This is the way it is. When we understand how obligation drives us into a lack of reality, that's what cripples us every time. When I am sitting here thinking that Let's say it's a, a, a mother making a, a dinner for the family, and she's going, I have to do this every night. I am so tired of having to do this. That is an obligation mindset. What's her, what's her choice? She doesn't have to make dinner. She doesn't think that, though, right? Because she's thinking that other people will be displeased with her. Her husband may be displeased. The kids would be displeased. There would be no food. But in reality, what's the reality? She doesn't have to make dinner. She can get some energy back into her life if she simply chooses to make dinner as opposed to thinking that she has to make dinner. That's the part that we miss. There is a reality. There is a choice. When you don't believe there's choice, you don't live in reality. Let me share this simple little tool with you, a great tool to help you move obligation to choice, and that's what you're looking for. Why is that mother making dinner in the first place? Why do you think she's making dinner in the first place? To keep us quiet. To actually hopefully promote health and well-being in the family, right? People need food, right? Okay. Uh, To do the dinner is a way to promote something that she really does want. Let's Let's go to this example of a... Uh, uh, an Olympic athlete. What does an Olympic athlete want? They want the gold medal, right? They want the gold medal. What do they do in order to get the gold medal? They do lots of exercise. They do lots of change in their routine of life, right? Do they want to do all of the individual routine to get the gold medal, all that exercise? No. I, if they could just show up and get the gold medal, that's what they'd really want. That's right? what I'm talking that's about. That's right. So the issue is there is a concept of primary and secondary choices that Robert Fritz teaches that's really important. 
why do I go to church? Do I go to church just because I have to go to church? No, I, if I can take that from an obligatory mindset, I'm obligated to go to church up one notch, meaning going to church is just a secondary choice that will aid me in my primary choice of glorifying God to reflect Christ now because I'm reigning with him later. Oh, I'm going to church because of that. Just like the Olympic athlete does this exercise on a daily basis in order to get the gold medal, that's how we want to be thinking about some of the things that we feel obligated to do. I am I am not obligated to stay married, but I want to stay married so that it can promote a healthy lifestyle for both Louie and I long term. And more importantly, it glorifies God to do that. See, that's how that works. You take an obligation and recognize it's just a secondary choice to a primary. What's my primary? What do I need to focus on as the primary? That's what helps the Olympic athlete get out of bed in the morning is to be able to go, I'm going to try to go for the gold medal. So I've got to do all this massive exercise. Thank you, Herman. And we hope that your primary choice will be to join us next time as we continue this discussion. Positive dog training. Hi, I have a dog that's not very obedient. Do you offer corrective training? Yes, ma'am. We use positive reinforcement to correct your dog. Does your dog have a specific problem you want to address? Well, this is going to sound odd, but when I'm talking on the phone, my dog Harper, she rolls her eyes if she doesn't agree with what I'm saying. Dogs are smart, but they have a very limited understanding of human speech. Well, what about this? When my dog plays chess, she won't sit still for a whole game. Your dog plays chess? That's the smartest thing I've ever heard of. She's not that smart. She lost three of the last five games we've played. By the way, I have a husband that's not very obedient either. Could I get a discount if you trained both? You could save your money and your energy if you used the example of Jesus. He allows freedom and accepts you even when you're not obedient. Join us next time when Herman invites you to include freedom in your life and in the life of your pets.